Hello, everybody, and welcome back. This is uh, the Weekly Food for Thought. I really want to hit this thing on a Thursday so it's in your ears on a Friday morning. That's sort of the idea I've got is, is that this is, uh, you know, sort of the Friday uh, sort of thought or uh, mindfulness sort of bit that you could have going into the weekend, possibly deal with all the baloney that's going on in your lives and things like that. Um, this week, I'm going to uh, talk about Greta Thunberg. Um I know that this is uh, contentious in a way, and I know that this means one of two things for the people that are listening. Either you love or hate the situation that's happening with Greta Thunberg, uh, which is, you know, fantastic. Uh, I think that's one of the big reasons why I'm into it. But um, I did put together a big, long thing that I'm going to run through. Um, if you're interested in the positive side of this, then continue to listen. If you're a anti-Greta person, then probably not a podcast for you. Um but uh, without further ado, I'm going to kick into this thing. Um, I guess really I never thought I'd get pulled into the vortex of someone else's political views. Um, you know, I've been immune to this sort of stuff for so long. Uh, you know, that kind of thought that I'd be protected with my own biases and, you know, my outer shell that I've built up. Uh, you know, that this would stop this sort of thing from, you know, invading my psyche. But, you know, over the last um, probably five years, um, I've always been listening to people that speak, you know, around, you know, this sort of topic. And really over the last probably year, you know, there's, this noise has been creeping into my my mind, uh, my psyche that uh, keeps kind of grabbing my attention. You know, and initially it was just something that was interesting to me, um, you know, and that, that sort of thing that's interesting is now a major headline, um, you know, and it's not just a headline in the world, but a headline in my head that keeps bringing me back in. You know, is this sort of face that keeps creeping into my into my world, you know, a voice that seemed to make some sort of sense to me, um, you know, someone that, you know, exhibited more emotional prowess than the everyday human, you know, it was just it was just eerily something that made sense to me, um, you know, and it was, you know, a moment where something challenged me to take, you know, to take pause and think, um, which doesn't often which isn't often the case, um, you know, and and and. The part of this that's weird is, is that I've always been middle of the road around, you know, the topic, you know, I've never really had an opinion either way um, because I don't really believe in opinions specifically um, because I don't think we should be forced into a world where we have to have them. Um, but, you know, it's really started to push me down a path of having an opinion, which I, I guess in a weird way at 41 years old is, is you know, interesting. Um, you know, and that opinion was around climate change, right? And something that, you know, exists as a conversation, as a debate. Um, you know, and I, you know, I guess it's just weird that I'm now in this position where I think about what it is and what it means all the time. Um, you know, and, and now it's, you know, the knob's been turned to 5,000 because the world is just flipping out. Um, you know, so let's, let's dig into this a little bit. So, you know, if you haven't been exposed to Greta Thunberg yet, um, I would say you've been living under a rock. Um, she's a 16-year-old climate change act activist that um, has basically stood in front of the world and said to our world leaders, you know, uh, has, has gotten on a stage in front of the world leaders and literally just said, you are not doing a good enough job. 
um, that what's been done to date is just business in, as usual and that the interests of those in power are just effectively self-serving and proliferating their own interests. And, um, and, and again, that this is just simply not enough. That, that politics with a short-term view on economics is jeopardizing our future and we are on the brink of being you know, effectively too late. Um, she has a lot of facts to back up her position. She is living, you know, a life that is sustainable and low impact. And she is also completely unafraid of anyone. She is singularly focused on, you know, spreading her message. And really that message is be afraid, be very afraid because our house is on fire. And, you know, I just want to stop for a second because a 16 year old kid stepping up isn't something we see every day. You don't see children stepping up and when given the opportunity, embrace such a big opportunity and go for it, right? Where you're at in that argument and why and all the rationale is completely separate to the point that somebody's willing at 16 years old, who let's go, let's put some other facts down that she started at nine years old to, to feel this way and progress to then doing a protest on a Friday by saying my education isn't important if there's no future for my education to exist, you know, for the output of my education to exist, you know, to continue to push down a path. And she created a wave, which is completely off the back of what she is doing, her own efforts and her own, you know, inner, her own inner voice, her own monologue, pushing her along. Um, you know, she, there's other things that go, that are kind of come along with this package. You know, she, she suffers from, um, oh my gosh, it's completely blanking on what she suffers from. Um, <laughs> this is, this is horrible. So she suffers from Asperger's syndrome, you know, which I guess everybody has, oh, people that are on spectrum have varying levels and Asperger's is, is one of those things that can, um, that can, you know, create uh, your own internal change, alter your own internal monologue. Um, I don't, I've not been exposed to people with Asperger's syndrome as such. I've been around people, but um, I haven't spent regular time with them. But let's put it this way. If Greta is a version of somebody with Asperger's going out into the world and trying to make a difference, then I'm completely down with uh, supporting someone who wants to think this way and push themselves this way and, you know, basically leverage what she's calling her own superpower. So, you know, to me, it's remarkable that, you know, she's willing to do this at 16 years old to continue to put, you know, with her back against the wall to a certain degree, um, having a huge amount of criticism and continue to stand up and not be pushed away because, you know, of being bullied effectively or what have you in today's world is exactly what most kids are committing suicide over, right? Can't even, you know, look at their phones for too long because, you know, if a bunch of kids back, uh, you know, gang up on them, they fall apart and they'll, you know, and, and there's been cases of people committing suicide, which is horrible, right? Um, but for some reason, this particular version of a 16 year old is completely unafraid and going after one of, I would say one of the biggest political com conversations and topics we've had, you know, in probably the last, I guess what we'll get into you know, uh, at least since, you know, the sixties, right. Late sixties, uh, early seventies. Right. So this has been 50, 60 years of people talking about things like this and she's willing to take it on. So I think that's enough about, and I guess kind of who she is. Uh, let's jump into a little bit about, you know, uh, Climate change, right? I think we should define it uh, in order to create the context for the conversation I'm going to have with you. Um, you know, by definition, climate change is a long-term rise of our planet's average temperatures. 
and it really slants towards human caused impacts, right? And so this is measuring, um, you know, the average increase of, you know, the earth's temperature since the mid 1900, mid 19, thousands, 1900s, right? So, you know, we're looking at, you know, them on a regular basis, uh, measuring the earth's temperature, markering it, and then seeing an increase over time. Um, so really it's just, climate change is just the pure science of measuring uh, the earth's temperature and then relating that to the causalities of other things that have happened that could be human related, right? Things that we do, we have possibly done or have done that have created um uh, things that you know increase the the temperature on our on our planet. Now, I mean, you can agree or disagree that there are the flow and effects of a temperature raise, but there's a constant. It's been measured, and if you look it up, there is literally a temperature increase happening. You can't deny the fact of that. So, really, it comes down to whether or not you believe that there's a the, the flow and effect of the the um, the continued increase will or will not have an effect on our planet. Um, you know, you can agree or disagree that the um, ecosystems uh, as will be affected around the planet as a result of this change, this change in a constant. Um, that there are, you know, are both known and unknown links to those ecosystems and that our direct survival as a species on the planet is linked to those ecosystems surviving. Um, you know, and, and, and you then could say, um, you know, whether you could ask whether or not we're immune to these things, right? Um, you know, you could then say we have technology and we can invent things that will curb this off. But fundamentally, if you look at symbiotic, the symbiotic nature of the planet, you know, we are here as a result of a history that is nothing that has nothing to do with our ability to create technology. Um, you know, we are here first because we were part of those ecosystems. Um, you know, and whether you're religious or not, I'm not going to get into that. Um, you know, but we we are here as a result of our ability to consume the resources of the planet just on a pure survival perspective. And that would be because we can breathe the air, uh, because we can eat the food and we can sustain ourselves as a result. The overconsumption and the things of that uh, you know, and then the ability for us to take advantage of those things have happened over time, as well as the fact that if those things start to fall down, you know, I would, you know, I would say you need to think about whether or not those things will have an impact on our species, right? So species to species, you know, and how things have come, you know, to be are, uh, you know, effectively built off the ecosystems that are there. So I'm not saying you have to believe in climate change and the impact of it. But, you know, we have been exposed to and been part of, at least over the last hundred years, um, you know, a, a world of climate change that has existed and been privy to the information of these things having an impact, whether you believe it or not. You know, I remember as a kid, um, you know, having Earth Day, right? And I thought, wow, Earth Day, you know, it's a whole day that we celebrate and do things that are better for our planet. You know, recycling came out when I was younger, you know, and, and thinking about, you know, the uh, the waste side of, uh, you know, life and what that will do to our planet and, and having all this waste everywhere. You know, I mean, when was the first Earth Day? First Earth Day was in, you know, uh, back in 1970 and it had to do you know, uh, with uh, an oil spill and, and protecting the planet from these sort of human-related disasters. You know, it's been almost like 50 years, um, you know, that we've at least been recognizing that we have been damaging the planet, right? As a fact, we've been damaging the planet and we need to do things that are better to save the planet that we live on. You know, I mean, well, I don't know how this one will necessarily ring a bell or not, but, you know, I was fascinated by Bobby Kennedy, you know, and if you don't know who Bobby Kennedy is, this is the younger bro the brother of uh, the pres president that was assassinated, John F. Kennedy. 
you know, and he was, uh, you know, bang on back in 68 when he was talking about stuff. And he said, you know, quote, uh, we will find neither national purpose or personal satisfaction in the conti- in a continuation of an endless amassing of worldly goods. You know, he was effectively just saying, you know, the, the path we're on is going to have the effect that we, we don't desire, you know. And, you know, I'm going to insert the audio here of uh, this, you know, sort of speech, which I find quite interesting. And, and when I started to dig into a little bit around Bobby Kennedy and what he was sort of saying on top of, look, again, just this part, not all of Bobby Kennedy, but this part was interesting to me that that back in this time, in this era, he was raising the issues when nobody wanted to face them. For some reason, that's a constant, right? We raise that things are bad and that we're doing things that aren't good. They buck into the status quo and the ability for economies to be built and money to be made and the wealth to be created. And if anything um, you know, gets paired up against that, everything is like, oh, the lunatics are here again. We have to shut them down. They're heretics, right? You know, and let's uh, put a little asterisk on it. Bobby Kennedy was also assassinated. Um, you know, or killed, you know, what have you. But, you know, it's, it's a crazy world. So I'm just going to play a little bit of audio. Um, hopefully this all works. Too much and for too long, we seem to have surrendered personal excellence and community value in the mere accumulation of material things. Our gross national product now is over $800 billion a year. But that gross national product, if we judge the United States of America by that, that gross national product counts air pollution and cigarette advertising and ambulances to clear our highways of carnage. It counts special locks for our doors and the jails for the people who break them. It counts the destruction of the redwoods and the loss of our natural wonder in chaotic sprawl. It counts napalm and it counts nuclear warheads and armored cars for the police to fight the riots in our cities. It counts Whitman's rifles and Specs knife and the television programs which glorify violence in order to sell toys to our children. Yet the gross national product does not allow for the I mean, what he's talking children. about here is, is like the measurement of things, right? And um, what we tend to do is we deny what the measurement is for the greater you know, good of what it is. You can spin anything any way you want. I'm spinning right now. You know, I'm putting a spin on what I want the bias of the argument to be. Um, but I found it very interesting that what he decided to do was to talk about something that we measure ourselves uh, on our successes as countries measure themselves on their successes. But inside of that measurement are all the things that are going to detract us or pull us away from our success. Fundamentally, you are not going to be successful if the planet is at risk of, you know, losing ecosystems. And you cannot deny whether or not those things can exist at the same time. You can both be successful and generate wealth, but at the same time destroy the planet. You know, there there are those realities that can, you know, exist at the same time. And this is not just cognitive dissonance. These are both sides of the argument being presented at the same time. And that is okay. So, you know, why did I raise the Bobby Kennedy thing? And why am I talking about, you know, sort of Earth Day and all this sort of stuff? Because I've noticed a trend in the younger generations that are speaking more clearly about how they want to live. And this is like that generation why I'm doing, you know, like you know, all the next ones that are coming through about how they can engage in the workforce. 
you know, how they can't do all the things and everybody freaking out about how, you know, the standard of, you know, the corporate uh, world is, is at risk because people want gig, gig jobs. They only work for an hour or two a day or a week. They want to travel more. They want to be, uh, they want to do things that have mat- that make that matter to them and have purpose in their lives. Right. So, you know, if the younger generations are speaking more clearly about what they want and how they want to live, you know, that they're more empowered now to do something about that. They're more educated on the details and are now asking critical questions and thinking at a higher level than we did, you know, then the argument that kids should only be kids exists to protect adults from the rite of passage that they made it, you know, to where they are now and that they have some sort of inherent right to, you know, the control or the, the ruling, right? Because they're simply older. Um, and I guess factually that's correct. You know, that in, you know, the only advantage that adults have are, you know, time and context, right? But really context is just a buildup of biases, you know, biases that exist through personal experience, right? So, and, you know, unless your intentions are good, inherently good, you know, your, your criticisms really are mute as, you know, you're effectively just trolling with the aim to control the conversation, you know, um, because at the end of the day, again, all this stuff can exist at the same time and we will survive another day, you know? So like, I think it's important that we just remember that our inability to understand the youth, if we are older or make sense of them is the problem not, you know, is the problem that we need to solve. We need to hear the youth better, right? Uh, We need to understand what they're trying to say, not trying to conform them. Because (laughs) there's this just crazy window of children learning multiple languages under the age of eight, being fluent in the ability to do things, and their cognitive abilities are at a higher level. And at some point in time, we choke the shit out of these kids and turn them into little monsters, little machines that are just going to come jump and be cogs in the wheel. That cannot be the way that we work. And I fundamentally don't believe that's the way we should be existing. I am not on this planet, and I can't possibly be on this planet to just turn my children into taxpayers because that can't not be the world that I live in, and I don't agree with that. So why does the voice of a child resonate with me? I mean, there's a lot of parts to this equation, you know, and I've, I have been pulled into the Greta Vortex. But it's not for all these, th- you know, not for the, the reasons that you would think, you know. It's, um, you know, one of the reasons that I've realized, and this has come to my, you know, to, this has come into my focus probably in the last, I guess, five years more specifically. But over the last 10 years, if I really look uh, critically back in my life, um, I'm a feminist, um, you know, I didn't think I was, uh, and definitely didn't think I was earlier in my life because I didn't understand what a feminist was or being a feminist was, but you know, I am, you know, when a strong woman steps up and goes for it, I want to hear what she has to say. You know, I want to find out how I fit in so that I can, you know, you know, so, so should I agree? I can support that person. Right. But that's what I would do for anybody. And I think that's, what's the point, right? Um, everybody should have an equal playing field, but in this scenario, it's good to see a young woman stepping up. And I like that. Um, second reason, uh, another reason I have is um, I'm cynical of the next generation. And I don't like that. Um, you know, I think this happens and it's a pattern that happens for each generation as they get older. The younger generations, um, you know, push out the constructs that we put in place that we thought we fixed from the previous generation. We don't like it. We say get off my lawn as a reaction. And, uh, you know, I don't want to be that way. I want to embrace the opportunity that the younger generation presents to us. And I think 
you know, it's important that, you know, as my generation goes through, we are more aware of that and modify our behavior and our construction of what that looks like to be a more productive thing. Um, so I like to seek out those who are younger than me uh, and have hope and, you know, that, that they can do more. You know, the people that want to do more, I think, should get the platform to do more. And I think that they should be supported in the right way um, because, they, you know, that's why we're here right? To better each iteration. Um, you know, and to be honest, we should be excited that children uh, can be smarter than adults. Uh, you know, the fact that some a child could be more articulate than an adult or willing to have a serious conversation with an adult um, and be well thought out, thought out in their opinions, I, I think that's a really big deal. Um, and that is one of the reasons why I'm behind the Greta Vortex. I think, you know, the fact that she is able to do this is great. And the one of the big reasons why I think it's great is because all the adults are flipping out. There's like this crazy reaction to what she's doing. Um, you know, and I like the disruption. You know, I like the fact that what she's doing, whether she's right or wrong, whether you believe it or not, like that's not the point I'm making. The fact that she can disrupt and flip the top off adults to make them do the things that they're doing is fantastic whether you you reaction to her is go full support and really you know get behind it or whether your reaction is to polarize the other way and come up with all the crazy stuff about her that you can it is great that she can do that because it's least about something that makes sense um you know to a certain degree right we can't you know we can't deny the fact that the planet is potentially at risk and that what we're doing through the growth of our you know our human um species is not having an effect right there's got to be something going on there so um you know i i just think that you know it's great that a young woman can step up that she can put together a great argument from such a young age uh, and and be passionate and, and do it, that she can stir, you know, uh, a majority of people to get behind her and continue to push her along and that she can challenge the constructs of a generation she doesn't understand or, or doesn't need to understand and doesn't agree with. All those things melt into the world of Joe, which is I love a good disruption. I love the idea that this stuff can exist in my in my time, and that it can make me excited about engaging with a topic. Um, you know, and and I engage for my own personal reasons, and that's not what this is about. I'm not gonna I'm not sitting here trying to say, hey, this is uh you know save the planet. It's that's not this. It's 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 hey, let's listen. Let's be more open to the fact that these things can exist, that someone can have these opinions, that we can have a conversation constructively rather than tearing each other down. And I want to see a, a world where we can all be together at the same time, have conversations and be productive about them. So really, whether you agree or disagree with Greta, it doesn't matter, right? Her, that is her agenda. And you are entitled to have your opinion on the matter, right? Like you can either get behind it or not. But I think we're missing an opportunity about assessing our society, um, the youth and what will happen for them. You know, what they are asking for is important. Just because they're children, um, you know, that will eventually become part of the machine and potentially lose their drive does not mean they will eventually not become our future leaders. And if we do not incorporate, you know, now what they want or their views into the agenda... Um, will this not just have a chain reaction effect? Um, you know, something else that will continue to disenfranchise them from the status quo. You know, again, I'm just going to raise the point that the trends are showing that there's a slow exit away from the systems in which we work, right? Especially around the workforce. They don't agree with how it works. 
Um, they don't agree with the structure of how living works, you know, whether you want to rent or own, um, you know, how you want to live, uh, specifically with a roof over your head or not. The lifestyle that they choose to live is changing. They're disenfranchising from the, you know, potentially from, you know, the wealthy version of the world and having a, you know, a different view of that um, because it's unobtainable and also around family choices and to have a family, to be married. All these things are changing. Um, and no matter what we put in play to argue against it, they still are entitled to make their choices and do what they're going to do anyway. So if we're disenfranchising them now, what are they going to do later when they're up against making the, the decisions to do these things? You know, so while as adults, we continue to say we know best pipe town kid, I believe this will continue to have unintended consequences. So if there's anything I'm going to leave you with today, it's listen to the kids. <laughs> be a, be open to the idea that the, some of the things that they're saying, if not all of the things they're saying, do make sense. They are not uh, that far out of reach of what we're doing. They're more educated than we are. They have learned to be constructive in their thought products far earlier than we ever were because that's the system we've designed to better every generation to make them stronger faster than what we were you have to accept that and then you can have a conversation with them about what they're talking about but in order to understand what they're saying you have to shut up and listen because you don't know best just because you're older you just know things they don't potentially and then if you can empower them by sharing with what you know best and feeding that into what they're saying to help them be more constructive in their argument and they still have what they have to say and they still believe what they've got to believe, that's great. Because at the end of the day, we all just humans trying to get on on this planet, doing whatever the heck we got to do to get move forward in life and feel good about what you're doing every day. And I just want to feel good about what I'm doing every day. And I hope that when I'm with people that have opinions and things that I don't agree with, um, that I'm able to be part of that conversation, that I can object if I need to or just simply listen and, and, and not object, um, that I can have an opinion or not have an opinion uh, and still get up every day and feel good that I've you know done what I can to let everything just be the way it's got to be so people can get along with their lives. Um, so that being said, thanks everybody for listening to this one. Bit of food for thought. Um, whether you agree or disagree, awesome. And uh, yeah, I will talk to you guys uh, the next time. Cheers. Bye.